three, two, one, and we're live. Welcome to ESP. Insert sound effects. So the first thing I want to talk about before we jump into introductions, quick sidebar. First of all, do a quick mic check and let me know if you can hear yourself. Don't forget you want to be about this far from the microphone. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. I think that's good. We had a problem with crisscrossing the mics before, so interesting thing about podcasting. First of all, my iPod battery is dead, but that's a good thing because we're not going to use outro music today because I started exploring some of the more intricate details about podcasting, and I realized that although we can play music here at FRC Media, we cannot also play music on the YouTube channel if we want to make money because copyright law. <laughs> so I'm learning, I'm learning all these amazing terrible things about copyright law and turns out we have to get all kinds of special permissions to use songs even though we're broadcasting now which is fine the shows that we already have posted they're free so it's fine but if i ever want to make money doing like the bulk of this podcast which is sometimes 30 minutes sometimes an hour, uh, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes for all that time if i ever want to get paid for it I have to figure out copyright with music because if I don't, every penny that I make goes to the artist, even though we're talking over songs and there's only two of them. One of them is only 30 seconds of an intro and the other one is about five minutes of an instrumental from an anime, the Cowboy Bebop Space Lion song. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. By the way, <clears throat> I'm wearing my Cowboy Bebop shirt today. Can you see it? What? <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, ordered that in Redbubble. 20% off. I used my 20% off coupon. So welcome everyone on Follower of a Community Media. Welcome everyone that's listening on FRC Media via frmedia.org, the live streaming radio. Welcome everyone that is watching live via YouNow. We appreciate and we love you all. This is ESP, the Aaron Spencer Podcast, 006. We are chugging along. And even though I wanted to try promoting some local bands with our out music today we're just going to skip the outro because of poor planning because my ipad pod <laughs> whatever this thing is this ancient the ipad pod the ipad pod close enough <laughs> this ancient tablet device is no longer functioning so <laughs> so that gives me time to to work out outro music for 007 so i'm sorry austin but it no, is what it is no outro music for you today I, we can we're just going you. to We'll have to we'll have to pick something from the oh no because that's gonna open up even even more of a can of worms for copyright. Not here again, not here. This is something that's called broadcasting rights, which is interesting. We can actually technically we can have a whole sixty minutes where we just play whatever song we want, and it's fine. Even if we put it on YouTube afterwards, it's fine. But I just can't make any money off of it unless mm. we have permission to use the song after. Yeah. the podcast. So ESP006, as promised, this is going to be a podcast that is specifically and only about travel. Travel, 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 internships, exchange programs, vacationing, studying abroad. And I think we're going to squeeze some anime in there at the end. Because there's a oh, lot of yeah. there's a lot of anime that I want to talk to you about. So we're here on episode 006 with Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson is a student at Bridgewater State University, like myself. A lot of our guests that come on ESP are 
students or alumni of BSU, including our guest last week, Samantha McMahon, for episode 005. So, Austin, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You don't have to be modest. Just tell us about your major. Tell us about what you're doing. I know you got some things going on with photography, so tell us a little bit about that as well. So I'm going to give the floor to you. Yes. Take it away. Um, as Aaron just Welcome, by the way. Thank you. It's great to be on here. Thank um, you. Thank you for coming on the show. As Aaron just mentioned, I am a communication studies major at Bridgewater State University. I specifically focus on common culture within my major, but I'm also an Asian studies minor. I specifically have focused on Japanese culture, language, and history, but lately I've also I've gradually shifted that focus towards Chinese history, Chinese culture, Chinese language. And just today, right before I went on this podcast, Big I, announcement. I actually found out that I will be doing an exchange out to Shanghai Normal University in Shanghai, China, starting this fall, and I believe late September, um, excuse me, late August, early September. And that's going okay. to be extending towards, uh, extending into July of 2019. So you are going back to China because this will not be your first time in China. By the way, sidebar, I forgot to tell you how hot it was in here. So if you stop sweating, it's okay. It's just really, this is, this is what's called the hot box. Hello everyone in you now, by the way. Hello everyone from Tumblr. Hello. Thank you for becoming a fan. For everyone that just came in, because we have a decent amount of people watching now, I usually tag this under LGBTQIA because we are an LGBTQIA-friendly nerdcast hosted by me, Aaron Spencer, a trans woman. We're hosted by, this is a show hosted by a trans woman, myself. We've had non-binary guests before talk about non-binary fashion, non-binary makeup. We've had all kinds of other people come on the show before. We've talked about theater. We've talked about roller derby. Our first guest was actually another trans woman, so we've had... A little bit of everyone on That's here. Awesome. And our third guest was is an advocate for pansexuality because she is pansexual. And she talks a lot about sexuality and ex the expanded universe of sexuality. So we've covered a lot of bases on the ESP. So just because of kind of me, the host, I guess, we tag it as LGBTQIA or LGBT in this case. So if anyone was wondering... That's what it is. So thank you all for joining. We appreciate you. And again, we're a free LGBTQIA plus friendly Hashtag Nerdcast. Even though we're mostly going to talk about travel today, we're definitely going to squeeze some anime in at the end for sure. So anyway, Austin, continue to take it away. You, yes. were just, you were talking a little bit about yourself. Yes. Um, so as Aaron also mentioned after my announcement, I I previously took a tour. Transpower. <laughs> I previously took a tour out to China this past January with Bridgewater State University. It was a two-week tour that took place through... One week. Okay, real quick, real quick. Bef before you jump into that, because I wasn't sure if you had anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as your bio, we're jumping in now officially, everyone. We're officially jumping into the China travel portion. So this is, I'm really excited about this. I want to hype this up a little bit. Austin took a, how many weeks were you in, Ch were you in China? I was in China for two weeks this past January. Two uh, weeks in January. Okay, so that's awesome. That's a, that's a decent amount of time to spend in China. Yeah. Uh, so the the group of friends that we all know from BSU, they always used to talk about how chaotic China was, about how people were almost getting hit by cars, and it was obviously the air quality, the smog, just they kind of described it as a free-for-all. So was it kind of similar to that in your experience, or did you have, or was it a little bit more organized? Um, 
Well, from my own personal experience, um, they're definitely what those occurrences did certainly happen to me with to some extent. I was briefed on the tw- on what was going to be expected in China mm-hmm. prior to me leaving. Like I had known some information about what, what was to be expected as far back as this past November, around when I was first approved during, during the BSU briefing, right? Yes, the same one that we had for Japan. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, it was a. It was. Pretty and then much- you also met in small groups, yes. small China groups. Yes. Okay. So. What happened was I was told I was originally told like, oh, um, the air quality is going to be fine at this time of the year. Like it's going to be clean every day. So it's seasonal. It's supposed to be seasonal. That's what I was told. Everyone talks about the um, air quality in China. That's like the number one hot button issue for people that want to travel. Yeah. Now, when I fir- when I landed there, it was, I mean, it varied. It was, it was smoggy. It was. It varied from some days. Some days, you know, it was smoggy, but at the same time, you could still tolerate the air you could breathe in. Other days, it's like you go on the air quality websites for Shanghai as well as the other cities around in that region, and it's like within the purple, very unhealthy range where it's like you're not even supposed to like remove. Purple sounds like an unhealthy color to be breathing in anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the official like number of air quality measurement that they use. I don't really know like what a lot of that means to. I just know it was the it's point is dirty air because they use coal energy for yes. a lot of for, as as a primary source of energy, right? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, dirty energy. Yeah, um, I mean they they have they are trying to make efforts to I mean transition into wind power as well as solar power, but at the same time anything but coal, right? Yeah, because even because and like fossil fuels. Yeah, because. Much of the Chinese government has kind of realized and this is part of part of the geography of China too, because like since it is such a very rugged region of Asia, a lot of the pollution gets trapped into certain areas, and as a result, it works its way into all these like huge... trapped into pockets of the atmosphere. Kind of, I mean, it trap kind of gets trapped into like. Well, the point is like the p- large amounts of the pollution do work its ways into very large populated areas. And as a result, some days, like, you can't even go outside to, you know, just do a walk to just even the, even a convenience store or, like, go anywhere outside. But from my own personal experience in China, there were dirt, there were certainly some days where it's, it's like... It's scary. You can't go for a walk outside because the air quality is so bad? Um, well, not from my experience. I'm just talking in more of a general sense. Oh, but, other... Yeah, and okay. it also depends on, like, certain areas of China, too. Some areas are definitely a lot better in terms of pollution than, than others. But from my experience... Um, it ranged from bad to really bad. <laughs> I never really had too many problems personally from my own experience, but I can definitely see if somebody is very sensitive to smog or any other pollutants that exist within the air, then it's going to have have a pretty substantial impact on your time in China. Where did you land? So we... When you first arrived. We originally landed in Beijing, but we... Okay. Uh, but we... um. The main hub, so to speak. And then capital. we connected into Shanghai. It was a 14 and a half hour flight oh straight. Oh my God, how was, how was that flight? <laughs> Longer than Japan, right? Longer than our Japan Longer trip? Th- by about two, two and a half, three hours. Like the longest flight that we had oh, from... That's crazy. The longest also, don't neglect that camera because we're sort of... It's kind of it's kind of a hard game to play because we have to sort of meet in the middle okay. and like talk to that camera, talk to that camera, but also okay. talk to each other. Right. It's kind of a weird dynamic. Uh, sorry. Hello, hello, hello. Sorry. Continue. So, Don't apologize. You're fine. Don't worry. So about it. it was about a three-hour flight. For, I mean, it, three hours not, longer than Japan. The, yeah, it was three hours okay. longer than the Japan flight. Because like the longest flight we had was actually the flight back from 
Tokyo to Toronto and then Toronto to Boston. That oh was, yeah, that was about twelve. That was about twelve hours for us. So I did I did a one way from Tokyo International Airport Airport to Washington D.C. and that was thirteen hours and forty five minutes on yep. the way back. This was my flight was fourteen and a half hours going there. That extra. I was I was getting stir crazy by the end of that trip from Tokyo to DC. So never mind the extra hour. I don't know. I think I'd be losing my mind at that point. But so, sounds like kind of similar travel times though. Yeah. For the Everyone mo- told me China was so much longer, but it seems like it was only an hour or two longer yeah. of a flight. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to get used to these longer flights at this point. So did you go to Japan twice? No. Did, okay. I'm thinking about going to Japan a second time. We'll, right. We'll touch on that later, but. Yeah, it was, for the most part, it was pretty similar to what I had during my Japan trip. So how was the how's the currency exchange in China? I mean, I don't know the specific dollar to yuan. Was it ex- similar to Japan? No. Um, I mean, it's easier to figure figure out once you get like a general mm-hmm. idea of what, of what the amount of yuan you need is. So it's it, yuan? Yeah, China uses yuan. Which, okay, or, um, so our, or, yen for us in Japan and then yuan... In China, okay. The best way for me to explain it is 100 yuan roughly equates to about $15. So you break, you basically break everything down into units of $15. That is a lot. To, that's way different than Japan. Yeah. Seems kind of complicated. Yeah, I Japan's mean... Japan's easy because it's almost to the dollar. I think it's 84 to 86 cents to the dollar. Yeah. So... And if you're not spending... An, inordinate amount of money in Japan. When you go to Japan, it's going to be easy for you to convert your US dollars into yen. Because again, 84 to 86 cents to the dollar, it's pretty damn close. Yeah. You're going to find most of the time that it's easy to just move the decimal point in Japan to two from the right. So, yes. 1000 yen would be $10 roughly. Yes. So anyway, so the yuan, the Chinese yuan, did you convert at the airport by the way? Like we did in Japan? No, I did it on I did it prior to leaving. So, oh, okay. Oh, good for you. Look at you planning ahead, <laughs> planning ahead, converting your money to yuan. So how was how was day one in China? Because in Japan, it was kind of a little crazy on day one. I know we had the issue with losing our luggage in Japan. Yeah, that was that was an interesting experience getting off a 10 hour flight from Vancouver. And not, we didn't. We, they lost our luggage. Oh, actually, um, me and me and Senpai, <laughs> Justin, pretty much everyone. Every time I refer to anyone as senpai, Justin most Sun. of the people know it's 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 just it's Justin. <laughs> so, senpai and I were we were fine because we took a separate flight. But for some reason, your flight lost your luggage. Yeah, we had such a tight connection in Vancouver. By the way, we stopped in Toronto and Vancouver on my way on our way to Japan. We had such a tight connection in in Vancouver that. An Air Canada rep came out and told us, like, yeah, all of your luggage are, is, yeah, your luggage is still stuck in Vancouver, so we're not sure when we're going to be able to get it to you. So we're like, yep. So is- Toe Sensei took everyone for a shopping trip in Kyoto at the Kyoto Mall, yes. and everyone got, and then you were all reimbursed for your the clothes that you bought. No. In Kyoto, right? No? No. No? Um, Y'all were supposed to be reimbursed for that. It was a very complicated process, <sighs> and... We actually, a lot of us ended up losing our receipts from wow. from that shopping trip. That so, is, that's insane because you were supposed to get reimbursed. That was the whole point of going on a shopping spree in Kyoto. It was supposed to be like a free night of buying clothes in Japan. Yeah, but 
I mean, at least it's I got my a, dream. <laughs> I mean, I got a sweet Super Mario Brothers T-shirt at Uniqlo, so nice. At least that, at least that's a good souvenir. So, conversion to Yuan. So, your first day in China was mm-hmm. it? Was it super crazy or was it organized? So, I know that To Sensei, the director of the Asian Studies program at Bridgewater State University, Dr. Wen Kaito, in Japan, it was kind of he was doing kind of a very organized touristy type of thing where mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing he's been there before he knows some conversational japanese he also is from china so he reads anything that's kanji mm-hmm. and we also had senpai with us who speaks fluent so that was kind of an interesting experience but i've been told from our group that in china even though there's more chaos in china that everyone feels so safe in china because to sensei is in his element and that's what i heard is that how it was absolutely i heard he was swinging deals and doing all kinds of stuff so day one tell us about how to sensei took control on day one in china well the first day was actually pretty low-key um Mm -hmm. we during our time in shanghai by the way we spent our first nine days in in china in shanghai which is the largest city in china we spent those days staying at Shanghai Normal University, which is the university that I intend on doing my exchange to starting this fall. Nice. So okay. we and did, you were there for how long again? We were there for nine days okay. in Shanghai. Awesome. So, so that was basically the first the first half of your trip? Yeah. Was in the Shanghai area? Yes. Okay. Um, so for the, fir- the actual first day, we didn't really do a whole lot. We basically just hung around the campus and got like a tour of everything and were told mm-hmm. like, what was expected of us during the nine uh, n- during the nine days that we were going to be in Shanghai? And again, this is Shanghai Normal University, correct? That's correct. Where you're planning on doing your exchange? Yes. Okay. You're, it's funny at eight a.m. Like we're all jet lagged, we're all tired, and they tell us like, "Yeah, we're diving. We're having you guys dive into your your Mandarin lessons that you'll be doing over the course of this week." Was this the very first day? Yes. So the day you arrived, they they gave us a crash course on Mandarin. Which happened, which, um, good thing you had Toe Sensei with you. <laughs> she can, yeah, like, Winkai, Winkai, please help. What does this mean? Yeah, um, it was, it was a pretty eye opening experience. So, can you say something in Mandarin? Well, Jiao Zhang Ao Shi. And what does that mean? My name is Austin Jackson. Ooh, okay. So, you do recall some of the basic travel, touristy type of lingo. Well, the Mandarin I learned was more so from... That's, that sounded very, very good, by the way. Thank you. Shishu. I'm impressed. Shishu. So the Mandarin I learned was... Act- the bulk of it I've lear- that I've learned so far was actually from my Mandarin class at Bridgewater State University. Okay, because BSU offers Japanese and Mandarin, Both correct? of what... Yes. The, be- Who teaches the Mandarin class? Is it Wen Kaito? No. Does, does he teach any Chinese language classes no. or does he just stick to history? Dr. To international only, studies. Dr. To only teaches history and international studies classes. Okay, so a little plug here for Bridgewater State University. Who is the professor of Mandarin at Bridgewater State University, and is it just one? There, well, funny enough, the professor who teaches Mandarin actually teaches the upper level, some of the upper level Japanese classes as well. Oh, re- ooh. He's, so they're bilingual in yes. Japanese, English, so, sorry, trilingual. Yes. Um, wow. Professor Yip is his name. I unfortunately don't professor know. Professor Yip. Okay. I don't know his first name. Unfortunately, he's a very great professor who who is from Hong Kong. He's very fluent in both Japanese and Mandarin, along with English. 
and he's done an amazing job for me in both of my Japanese and Mandarin classes. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's so day one you had a crash course in Mandarin. We just heard some Mandarin, which was really impressive, by the way. Yes, yeah. Just your shoulders off on that one. So continue. Yeah. So what happened in day one? Because day one is always crazy. You know, day one was crazy for us in Japan. So yeah. For as I said, day one in China was pretty low key. We basically just hung around the university for the most part.、Mm-hmm. We were given a tour of the campus as well as like given some classes on martial arts. I think we, really, I think the first... they gave you a crash course in Mandarin and then threw you into a martial arts class. It was either the martial arts class or the art class. I don't remember. That's incredible. I was, I was really tired for much of that day, so unfortunately,、that. a good chunk of it is still. Kind of a blur. What type of martial arts did they throw you into? Well, I don't remember. Well, I know for the la- was it Wing Chun? No, it was、um, shadow boxing. Oh, so, okay. So, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really that much of a person that's into martial arts, so it's like I don't. I want to get not, back into it, but I'm not. I haven't done it in a long time. And by that, I mean like I'm not really. That great at it, so my balance is pretty poor to begin with. So like, but you would, but you took a class on martial arts in I China. I did, and that was after you took a crash course in Mandarin in it, Shanghai. I did, and it was pretty lit. I mean, it was. It's lit. It's lit. It was a very interesting. It was a very awesome experience. I so take us through the highlights of week one then. So. I'm just going to condense my entire time in Shanghai into week one, even though it's slightly over a week, but whatever. Okay. So you do you. The bulk of it, as I said, was spent at Shanghai Normal University doing some Mandarin courses along with courses in calligraphy, art. You took calligraphy courses in China too. I got to I got to paint little pandas. Wow. Yes. So you, so you took Mandarin courses, martial arts courses, and calligraphy courses in China. I did, We didn't、yes. do any of that stuff in Japan. <laughs> We even got to go to Shanghai Disneyland. Oh, that's awesome! We went to in Japan. Both of again, Austin and I were both on the same study tour program to Japan. In Japan, we went to Wakayama University. Yes. We went to Kansai University. Yes. And Tokyo. Tokyo Gakuge, Gakuge University. University, which I missed out on the very last few days because I left early because I couldn't take that much time off of work on the ambulance, unfortunately. But. It looked like you guys were really put to work, though, doing at、yeah. Tokyo Gakuge University. Yeah, it, it seemed was... like everybody was miserable <laughs> for that last week. I mean, I got, I got to have all the fun and left for the and left for the work. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely more stressful than. I mean, not to not to bash the actual program. I overall will say I still had an amazing time in hindsight.、Mm-hmm. Like. The amount of people. Well, the baseball I, game was cool. I saw the pictures from that. That looked like fun. But I, it was a lot of. It, was, it looked like a lot of actual busy work, like you were cramming for finals at BSU, and I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm kind of glad I left yeah, a little bit early because. I, I unfortunately、Ooh. decided not to go to the baseball game. <clears throat> you、um, didn't go to the Tokyo Tigers baseball、I'm, game. I'm not much of a baseball ba- baseball fan. Like I was like, I'd much rather just explore through Tokyo a little more and do stuff with people rather than right. I mean, Tokyo was so much fun. I will say I probably should have done it in hindsight、okay. because it looked very, very fun. And Japanese baseball games, from what I've heard, do have a lot more energy compared to a lot of standard American baseball games here.、Mm-hmm. So it would have been, it would have been a pretty awesome experience. But what I, was what was your favorite part of Tokyo? Because we spent the most time in Tokyo, even though I left five days early. 
All of us spent the most time in Tokyo. Yeah. I, of course, as a huge nerd, I was partial to Akihabara. But I think Shibuya was my favorite. Shibuya District, just yeah. the lights. I've always wanted to go to Shibuya and just coming in through the train <laughs> and then everything opening up everything opening up in the Shibuya District. And it's just, you're in awe. It just opens up before you and the train is on an elevated rail. So when you come in, you're not expecting it because you're mm-hmm. on the same level. Yep. But you slowly... You slowly go up and up and up and up and you don't realize it. And then it spits you out into the middle of Shibuya. Yep. Right next to the skyscrapers. And you're like, what just happened? So Shibuya is my favorite. How about you? I mean, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a favorite part of of Tokyo. Like, I just loved just seeing like the general life like how life is in Japan culturally 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 in terms of culturally as well as just getting the general lifestyle of the typical Japanese Japanese person and just being there and experiencing that all for yourself whether it's talking to the people there or trying out the foods and learning about the history and the culture of all these different areas it was a very unique experience but if I had to if I had to pick a, a specific part of Tokyo that was my favorite it would possibly i'd say it's between being the huge gaming nerd that i am i would say also akihabara i it's either akihabara or shibuya shibuya was absolutely stunning to see at night as well oh my goodness but it's just akihabara was very expensive so i couldn't i ended up spending (laughs) i'm willing to say this too i actually spent shut up and take my money that was that was akihabara i dropped over 500 dollars on akihabara it's dangerous yes um japanese it's a it's an american money grab (laughs) yeah but it's so worth it yeah i mean because collectibles i'm very much into collecting retro video games so i was very excited to for sure i mean i basically came back with what was essentially a huge carry-on bag full of of, just stuff from akihabara i did the same thing my my bag was almost all stuff from akihabara i think any of us that were that became friendly beforehand and associated together as part of the anime group or like the video game group or the nerd group, <laughs> we all left with huge tote bags full of stuff from Akihabara. Yes. So, so you mentioned historical sites because we did go to a lot of historical sites in Japan. What kind of historical sites did you visit in China, if any? I know we're jumping back and forth to Japan and China, but I think this format's kind of working, so let's just go with it. <laughs> so well, China, historical sites in China, then we'll jump back and forth between China, China well, and Japan. With Shanghai, the I we went to a few. We went to the Yu Garden, which is one of the most famous gardens throughout China. The Yu Garden? The Yu Garden. It's okay. That has existed for hundreds of years. That's set in the middle of downtown Shanghai, surrounded by... All of, the, all of like some I of the like world, that. all of the world, some of the world's tallest skyscrapers are around you, and there's like this small little traditional shopping district that's like right by the U Garden, Ooh. and all of this was really interesting to see. Like, and you also get to see like a lot of the newer Western aspects of culture infusing mm-hmm. into traditional Chinese culture too, just by going through these different areas too. Like you just see right. like a small DQ that's like taking up a tiny space within Dairy this. Dairy Queen? Yeah. In China? Yes. That's awesome. You just see a, tall, a tiny DQ that it's takes up. like McDonald's up... in Japan. Everyone said how good it was, but Excuse me. DQ. You just Dairy see, Queen. You just see a small DQ that just takes up a tiny shred of this huge, like old, 
next whole elite, building next within garden. yes that just takes it just it was just really interesting to see you just see like starbucks there at mcdonald's and so on starbucks along, was also in japan yep starbucks is very popular in both china and japan no uh, dunkin donuts sorry dunkin donuts is american only i believe it's i not think, in china or japan i think there are some in china but not Ooh. in japan well that makes sense because of the amount of american business japan women and men that travel to china to have dunkin donuts in china that seems like more of a business thing so, but Japan does have Mr. Donut, though, which is also... Mr. Donut! Mis- Mr. Donatsu, which is... <laughs> it was an American company, but it was transplanted to Japan. Yep. There was one in Nara that we walked by. Did you get Mr. Donut at Nara? There was also one in Kyoto Station. No, um, we. I actually ended up getting uh, Mr. Donuts in Tokyo. I think it was the day before we left to go back to America. Was it everything you ever hoped for in a donut? I will or was it different? There are some parts of it that were better than what I expected and some mm-hmm. parts of it that were that could be improved. I will say the donuts there were absolutely delicious and better than anything that you <laughs> anything you've had in America. Anything that you could get at Dunkin' Donuts or anything like that here. But the coffee was and this is just like this is just a thing with Japan. You have too. to get canned coffee in, in Japan. The canned coffee was wonderful. The canned coffee I did a whole post on that about Tumblr. The canned coffee in Japan is much better than like the, the like the ho- regular hot coffee. no bossu. Boss <laughs> coffee is the best. Yeah, it was very interesting to experience all that. Any other historical sites other than the U Garden uh, we, that are worth mentioning? Well, this isn't necessarily like one specific historical site, but more of like a pattern within a spe- within an area. For the last five days of, the, of our tour in China, we we spent time in Guangdong Province, which is in southern China, around the area of Hong Kong. Guangdong Macau. sounds familiar. I remember. There's definitely some historical sites there of significance. Yes. So it's the same province that where Guangzhou is in, which is mm-hmm. one of the largest cities in China. Okay. So during our time there, we got to explore the Kai, the um, Kaiping Diaolu, which is a specific type of architect- architectural Your accent building. is on point. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we got to experience, we got to take a look at the Kaiping Diaolu, which is a, not necessarily one building, but multiple buildings within this province that have a very unique arch- architectural style to them that don't really exist anywhere outside of China. What I can sum up what I can summarize them up to uh, is um, they're have very heavily influenced from Arabic architecture combined with traditional mm-hmm. Chinese architecture. Okay. So and they, as they only really exist in this area. So and because many of these buildings have deteriorated deteriorated over time, a lot not a lot of them still exist. So there's been a huge preservation effort in order to keep many of these buildings together. Kind of like the cultural heritage movement that we kept encountering in Japan. Yes. Same idea. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very interesting to see all this because, for one, this is an area in China that very rarely ever sees any tourists from Western countries. Oh, okay. So it was just very interesting to see. That's cool. I like that. It's, I like going to places like that. It's It was very inter- amazing to see an area that very rarely ever gets any contact from foreigners. So we were able to go into these buildings, talk to many of the villagers there. We even got to do a, a cultural exchange with a village that was being preserved by a nearby university as well, within the city of Jiangmen in mm-hmm. Guangdong province. So we were able to go into this village. We were we were able to do cooking classes with the with the villagers. We were able to see You did cooking classes too? Yes. That's we, awesome. We got to make What did you cook? 
there's unfortunately a pretty common pattern with this. I don't really know the names of like a lot of that's okay. Some of the classes of what we did mm-hmm. and like the, some of the shows that we got to see. We got to make these this very glutinous rice pastry that was very rice pastries are always good. You can't go wrong with rice pastry. Yeah, so we were able to like chill out with the villagers, talk to them, and they were able to help us with like making all these, and we were able to eat them later, which was pretty awesome. So, how was the food in China? Because we're going to go back to food in Japan. But tell uh, me about your experience with the food in China. Because food, I know it's kind of iffy for Americans, like true Chinese food. Whereas Japanese food is not... The, the flavor or the umami of Japanese cuisine is a little bit different. Yeah, Not everybody likes it. But I've been told that real Chinese cuisine is a little bit harder to adjust for the American palate. Even yeah. those of us who are culturally aware. So tell us about your experience with real Chinese cuisine. The real stuff. So there are some t- there were some points where I did have to be pretty adventurous with what I was trying. Um, did you have crickets? No, but I did have uh, frog. You had frog? Yes. On a stick? No. Um, <laughs> here, here's the deal. Did you um, have anything on a stick? Yeah, I had I had squid on a stick. How was the squid on a stick? Absolutely delicious. Really? Yes. Was it seasoned, flavored, fried? It had some kind of flavoring to it. It was, I think it was, might have been like some soy sauce along with something mm-hmm. else. I don't remember, unfortunately. All I know is that it, it tasted good, so, it I, good? Didn't, so okay. I didn't complain too much. Um, so, what, so as for the frog, it, mm-hmm. it was a pretty funny story as to how I ended up having that. Um, I was at a restaurant in the middle of downtown Shanghai mm-hmm. right after we got out of the U Garden. It was right before we were going to do a river cruise, a river cruise along the Bund, which is the, a river cruise. It's oh my goodness! We, yeah, we did a river cruise along awesome. the river that goes through downtown Shanghai. So we got to see like all the all the tall skyscrapers okay. around around downtown Shanghai, as well as like getting a general view of much of the city, which was pretty awesome. So, but as for the frog, I it was one of those restaurants where it's like you just. You go up to a counter. They have like a bunch of different foods you could pick up and put onto your tray, and then you just have to pay for like how much food is oh, on your tray, like a buffet kind, kind of. Kind of, yeah. So I was wow. like, okay, I, I'm impressed that that type of a situation exists in China. So I was like, okay, this looks like chicken because it was fried and it had like some kind of seasoning on it. But it was the frog. Yes, I was told by my friend Sam later on. Sam being one of the guides that we had. Mm-hmm. on our tour in shanghai he was like oh yeah by the way that's frog i'm like was it oh. good i mean it's it was edible i mean it was it was a much more, it was like a much more gamey chicken with like okay. really really thin bones did you try the horse meat when you were in japan no when we were in japan no i didn't i didn't either um it, I, it looked like it was the same color and it looked like it was the same texture as tuna a dark red, but I was like, mm, I don't want to eat the horse meat, guys. I'm all set. <laughs> the most outrageous thing that was presented to us in Japan was the horse meat, the raw horse meat. Mm-hmm. So, was there anything more outrageous for you in China than the frog, the fried frog, or was it or was the fried frog the extent of your <laughs> of I your mean, interesting food stories in China? I mean, that's probably the most extreme out of all the food stories that okay, I had. So, what was your favorite food in China? Um. In terms of like the f- my favorite like unique food that I had there, um, I had deep fried condensed milk in China. Wait a minute, deep fried condensed milk. 
I don't know, like, I don't know if that's what what it was. What? That's just what I was told. But it was, I was like, okay, this might be fried tofu. Like, what is this? And I, I bite into it. And okay. I was like, okay, this is very, very, very sweet. I think it might have just been like condensed milk mixed with rice or something like that. It was good though? Oh, it was delicious. Really? It was like a much sweeter cheesecake. In Japan, of. did you like the the kalpas? Because that you can actually get the kalpas. Oh in. yes, that's you can, you can get the kalpas in America. Yeah, I was I, like, I was kind of iffy on the kalpas, and also the milk tea was disgusting. <laughs> it's a, it's a joke. It's a sham. Don't drink the milk tea in in Japan. Okay, when you go to Japan, just just don't drink the milk tea. I mean, oh, or do you can try it to have the experience. I think I took one sip that's, and was like, "Hey, that's mm-hmm. par- that's a part of the experience. You try all these different unique foods." Although I did like natto, I did. You like? It wasn't natto? that bad, especially when you mix it with when you mix the natto with the spicy mustard and eat it before sake, the salmon, the grilled salmon, perfect. So a lot, a lot of students in Japan will eat the natto for breakfast, which is, by the way, the stinky soybeans, the fermented soybeans, yep. the slimy, sticky ones. Yeah. But gaijin's bane. So when and you for the right reasons. So for breakfast, <laughs> it didn't sit well with my palate for breakfast. The slimy soy, the f- slimy fermented soybeans, but for dinner before the sake salmon, it mixed very very well with the flavor. And I was we were sitting in Akihabara next to a group of it was the four of us. I don't think you were you with us when no. we went to the. Okay. Uh, wait, where was it? Akihabara. This on no, Saturday. I don't think I don't think I was with your group. Okay, so we went to this amazing place in Akihabara, and we were sitting next to a table with these four, three or four old men, and they were, they were laughing and like giving me thumbs up because I was the only woman there who was eating the fer- <laughs> the natto, the fermented soybeans, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, it's great, and I gave it to try to give some to Ryan. I was like, here, Ryan, try it, and they thought it, he was like, no, instead <laughs> of turning green. So these these three old men in Akihabara got a huge kick out of it. It was pretty funny. I had my purple hair on that day. So what was the grossest thing you had in China? If if you liked, if you really liked the fried condensed milk, which see, I'm going to have to try it now because you said it was delicious. What was your least favorite thing in China? Was there anything that you were like, kind of like natto in Japan? Um, that would be comparable to the natto. I mean, I didn't, from my the experience there, I wouldn't. I didn't necessarily have anything that I would say was bad. I mean, well, that's good. That's a good thing. I mean, I was kind of playing it safe with a lot of the foods I was having too, and I guess a lot of the places we were staying at were kind of playing it safe with us as well because they didn't want to. Oh, go. that makes sense. Big group of American students. Yeah, they didn't want to like freak us out too much with like having something completely different compared to like what we're used to. If I had to say, I because I didn't really like the frog too much, which is all. Which that's a really weird sentence to say, by the way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> didn't like the frog that much. I didn't like that frog that much. So was everything in China a barter system or was it just goods and wares and souvenirs? So it depended on where, it depended on where you were. If you were okay. in, I mean, of course there's like department stores and stuff there where it's like, it's where you just, can swing deals. The bartering mainly occurred at like the marketplaces in China. Right. Okay. Where that's kind of what, especially like at that marketplace that I mentioned, that's right by the U garden. There's like a lot of vendors that like sell mm-hmm. like a lot of different clothings and like different. Sounds very touristy. Yes, touristy. it's it's a pretty massive tourist trap. So sounds like it. So I was originally just looking around and just looking at like stuff that I could get for myself or I could get for my family. Mm-hmm. And then this woman at this counter that I was at, she 
started shoving some like souvenirs in my face and she was telling me like, oh, I can sell you this for, I think it was for like 40 yuan or something like that, which mm-hmm. is like, like five, six dollars. Conversion's not that important. Yeah. Five, six bucks. Okay. Five, six bucks. Um, something so, like that. And I was like, no, I'm just looking here. And then she just keeps like rubbing in my face. A no, little more. Bu- no, bu- you want to buy this. <laughs> She's like, no, no, you want to buy this. You want this. You need this. I'll, I'll give an, I'll give you another one for another twenty yuan. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got to buy something oh, new. To did you fall for it? I did you get pressured into buy? I'm into buy look, from the I vendor. Have, look, I already have like, I already have like really bad like social anxiety. So it's like, um, I don't know what to do here. She was feeding off of I'm, that. She could sense it. I need an adult right now. I don't know what to do. She could sense your social anxiety. Yeah. And she was like, oh, here's look somebody at, I'm going to sell some at stuff this, to. Look at this Laowai who's being nervous right now. Let's, is, that, is that like Gai Jin? Laowai? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's milk as much dollars out of this out of this anxious American this guy as possible. So That's pretty funny. It was... So, was Dr. Toe there to bail you out, though? No. Oh. Um, we were, was was is the legend of Doctor Toe swinging deals true, and coming in and swooping in at the last minute and getting a better bargain? Um, that's the urban legend behind Toe Sensei. I didn't personally experience that myself. I have heard of occurrences where, like what you just described, happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's true. Yeah, awesome. Did you guys go to the Great Wall? No, that's we didn't oh. have time to do the Great Wall, unfortunately. Dr. Toe told all of us, like, yeah. That's like, another legendary story, by the way. Dr. Toe power walked. I didn't go to China, but everyone has this legendary story about how the legendary Toe sensei power walked up the Great Wall in, like, however many minutes it took him. And he got to the top, and he was stretching and doing Tai Chi and everything and just sort of stretching out the old, the old joints and... By the time everybody else got up there, they all said how out of breath they were, and they all felt like dying. Yeah, and it's like Dr. Toe basically sprinted up the Great Wall of China, <laughs> just like how he sprinted up that train station in Kyoto. Oh my goodness, that's right. When we were in Kyoto, he yeah. sprinted up to the top of Kyoto Station, and he stood up there, did the same thing. And but, also, the Kyoto Station—it's a—it's a—it's a massive train station. It's too. huge. Go look at my pictures on Tumblr. You can find all the, the. It's huge. You'll be able to see the scope too because I took some from the bottom, the middle, and the top. So and, it's enormous. And the toaster, which is my nickname for Dr. Toe. Toe Sensei. Toe Sensei. Winkaito. So he was just like, yeah, I'm going to like sprint up this train station. I'm going to race all of you up there. And it was basically from what I've heard, the same kind of thing with what he did in China that year. The first time. Yes. Okay. But unfortunately, we didn't have time to go to the Great Wall because because of the constraints on our, on our tour. Oh, that's a bummer. Are you there for two weeks? You didn't get to see the Great Wall? He basically been... said to us, like, yeah, we could only fit in Shanghai that's or Beijing. So this year we're only doing Shanghai. Wow. Which, but I'm definitely, hey, now that I'm going to China, I'm, I now have an excuse to go to Beijing because I want to go see the Great Wall. Right. No, it sounds like you had a really good experience, though. Yeah, it was. I mean, overall, though, there's, like, so much more that happened in in China, but it was an absolutely amazing experience. Like I got to, it was amazing to see what life was like compared to the modern hustle and bustle of Shanghai compared to the much more, the much less developed and like more traditional areas of Guangdong and just like meeting all these people and like trying all these foods and having all these experiences there. It was one of the best experiences I ever had. So major differences between China and Japan. Go. Well, I will definitely say that China was definitely a lot cheaper. 
I mean, gra- I was granted. Okay. I did a lot more frivolous spending in Japan <laughs> compared to China because we're huge nerds. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, we're huge nerds. I did too. So I still have my um, Misato from Evangelion. Yeah. On my nightstand next to my bed. Yeah. Which I got in Akihabara. That's awesome. Including a bunch of other things that I probably shouldn't have bought. So anyway, so, so it's cheaper. What so, else? Major cultural differences? In terms of the cultural differences, I mean, I didn't notice like anything like too radical in terms of the culture, but I will say it definitely felt like more of like a middle ground between Japan and um, America. You know, everybody there is still very friendly and everybody there is like very polite and willing to help everybody out. But... There were some parts of the culture in Japan that did feel like a lot more structured than mm-hmm. how it is in America, but that's just more of like a detailed thing compared to what I read about Japan than like what we actually experienced from our tour. But I will say that there were some portions of China that did feel more loose and relaxed compared to how how it was at points during our time in Japan. That's not to say anything bad about Japan. That's just right. How kind of things run in... So China was a little bit more casual? A little more, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. everybody... I mean, there's definitely still times where you have to be formal and, and try to be on your best behavior. There were a lot of formalities in Japan, but I really appreciated that. Yeah, so to me, it was a little more of like what I was used to. Because I will mm-hmm. say I, there were some times being the the guy Koko Jean that I was where it's like I did kind of embarrass myself a little bit during my time in japan but that's we, we all did it's it's impossible not to embarrass yourself when, at least once i mean that's something that happens everywhere where that like gr- when i accidentally said please please twice especially also <laughs> in japanese okay speaking of speaking of um, nagasaki salada no speaking kurasai, <laughs> well, kurasai. speaking spe- they were like you just said please twice for no, no reason. I actually have a uh, funny story real, fun, uh, similar to that. So when we were touring through um, Kansai University, mm-hmm. we were... That was fun. We were all Oops. having lunch with all the other students there. And I was going to ask our tour guide where the restroom was. Now, I was really tired that day. And I was so I was kind of like out of the loop of everything. So I then mistakenly asked him, because I was trying to ask him in Japanese... So I asked him, Sumimasen, ano tore wa nan deska? Which is, what is a toilet? When I meant to ask him, Dore wa. Tore wa doko deska? Which is, Tore wa doko deska? Which is, where is the restroom or where is the toilet? And he was just like, um, what are you talking about right now? Because I was like, Toiru wa doko deska? So like, and this was like right in front of like the incoming Japanese students who were coming to be it's a very phil- It's a very philosophical question. What is what, a toilet? What is a what is this magical porcelain machine that is called a toilet? Yeah. So no. So that was that was my. Although when I got my Nagasaki salad, they just kind of brushed it off like whatever dumb guy Jin. Yeah. So that was that was my Bakono America Jin moment. My That's stu- okay. My stupid American moment. We um, we had a lot of fun though in oh, Japan. Yeah. We definitely did. So anime. We got about three minutes left. I want to squeeze in some anime talk real quick before we have to wind this down. So I've been watching Fairy Tale on Crunchyroll, and it's quickly becoming one of my all-time favorite animes ever. Oh my god, so incredible! Have you seen it? Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've definitely seen some portions of Fairy Tale, but it's like such a long-going anime that it's yeah. like it's very hard. Well, for there's me. a lot to catch up on, but yeah. I'm, do, I'm determined. I'm actually going to be cosplaying Titania. <laughs> do it. 
Yes. Do it up. Yeah. So she has that nickname, and of course, Titania, Urza Scarlet. So my biggest problem with my Urza Scarlet Titania cosplay is the breastplate, obviously. So mm-hmm. like the blue skirt and the black boots, I already have no problem to get the frilled skirt. The red hair, I'm going to need to get, but the biggest problem is this is this is going to be my first time ever making a cosplay, like a full cosplay armor piece. Mm-hmm. So I have to make the gauntlets and the chest piece, and I'm kind of nervous because I've never done that before. Hey, I think no matter what, you'll do absolutely great with it. Thank you. So I'm doing Urza Scarlet, and then because I don't want to spend too much money, I'm going to have the red hair. I'm also doing Grell from Black Butler. What? The... One of the most famous transgender characters, transgender women in anime. So that's going to be exciting. So yeah, I'm doing Grell. And so Black Butler is another ridiculous anime. Mm-hmm. So what do you, so yeah, Fairy Tale, one of my, definitely becoming one of my favorites. Um, you watching anything good that's new or, well, not I newish, mean, but you watching anything right now, any anime series right now? I mean, I haven't really watched a whole lot of anime recently, but I did, a co- about a month or two back, I actually started watching, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this, I actually started watching Your Lie in April. Which is, That's in my queue. I'm not going to laugh. That's awesome. Which is, um, it's a very emotional romance anime. Um, I, I, it's not something I would typically watch, but but it's good though. It's it's very good. Good because it's on my list. <laughs> it does get very emotional at times, so just be prepared for that. Um, I recently watched Your Name again recently. Um, that's also on my list. Everyone is saying that that's one of the best we, animes they've ever watched. On the flight back from Tokyo, the entire tour group. Um, watched your name because it was on like the Air Canada in-flight entertainment thing. Oh wow! So and we actually went there. We went to we went to the area of, that your name was that your name takes place in. We went to one of the, the areas. Sua Lake region. Yeah, we went. And to, I actually took a picture of the Sua Lake region and put it in my Trans in Japan Travel Guide Edition panel that I did for Anime Boston, and I did a side by side overlay of Sua Lake and then the picture that I took, and it's awesome. So cool. Yeah, like one of the towns that we visited was actually where many of the animators went to in order to Matsumoto. Get... Yes. Well, it wasn't Matsum it was near Matsumoto. But... Suwa. Yeah. So which was also pretty awesome, but your your name is also pretty amazing. Also it's on my list. Also a little bit Good of a tear stuff. It's also a little bit of a tearjerker, but I think it's a very awesome anime. Everyone has the custom box set for yes. your name. <laughs> also on my list, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Yes. Is that good too? I've awesome. I've seen I've seen clips of it, but I've yet to like Seems watch. Seems pretty outrageous. Yeah, it's from what I've seen of it, it it, it definitely does get very crazy. <laughs> All right, do you have anything you want to add? Because we're just about nearing the end here. We've been what, talking for about an hour. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention this towards the beginning. I've, in addition to me being a BSU student, I also. As you just discussed, I'm also moderately into anime. Mm-hmm. I'm into a lot of different video games, such as like pretty much anything. And you're big on Persona, right? Not as much right now, but yes, Persona is one of the is one of those. Um, but I'm mainly also into like a lot of the Nintendo games, so like Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, Animal Crossing, Kirby, mm-hmm. and so on. And I've also lately been really big into Fortnite. Uh, oh, jeez, which... my niece plays that. Yeah, it's... She's just how awesome. She's 13. She's just like, it's like the greatest game ever. Not it's, saying it's a game for 13-year-olds, but... It's a very... I just never got into It's it. a very fun and addicting game. Big announcement. ESP006, you heard it here. Yakuza 6 comes out today. The English version, the American version. I'm getting it as soon as we're done with dinner. So on my Ooh. way home. Woo! Are you getting it? 
Are you getting Yakuza 6? I've, I'm Song of to, Life? I wish, but I'm really, I'm kind of low on money right now. Oh, so. yeah, that's a problem. Well, I'm trading in Mario Odyssey. Hopefully I'll get like 10 bucks at least or something. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll get a decent chunk. And then put that back towards... Definitely. Towards Yakuza 6. So I'm going to finally going to have another game to play that's not Monster Hunter World. Because I really, I don't know, I'm like total weebish. I, I don't really play too many American games. <laughs> Mostly Japanese games. So anything else you want to add before we wind down here? Um, I just want to say it's been a pleasure to be on on. Yeah, this, this was cool. Yeah. We I, had a lot of rap, good rapid fire talk here. We had, China, Japan. We had a lot. anime at the end. Good discussion about anime, video games towards the end cool. along with my, our journeys through Japan along so with my recent journey through China along with announcing my big announcement to yes. Shang- going, Shanghai, going Normal to University. Shanghai Normal University. Hopefully that becomes 100% official. It will, I've been told like once I get some paperwork in, it will basically become official. It's just awesome. a matter of getting all that taken care of. And I'm pretty sure all that will be taken care of by tomorrow afternoon. Awesome. So, so ESP006, thank you, Austin, for coming on the show. Thank you, Fall River Community Media, for hosting us. Thank you to our local sponsor, Tara Baker, a.k.a. Teradoxal from Mass Attack Roller Derby. Thank you, everyone that makes the show possible. Join us in two weeks when Jordan Evans is coming back on the show. So we're going to have the return of Jordan Evans for 007, and then we're going to have a long list of other people I believe we're going to have a lot of returning guests and we're going to have a core group of about six or seven that's going to come back on the show. So stay tuned for that. Major announcements coming up. We also have a Ray Ayanami figure that we're giving away on our Patreon. Okay, it's a Ray Ayanami taking a shower figure. So if you're into like that weeb trash stuff <laughs> or if you're into waifu stuff from Neon Genesis Evangelion, like I am, guilty sometimes, go, although I'm obviously like I'm like more into like the sexy husband dose. <laughs> Gray from... Fairy tale is my husband, though. So if you're into that stuff, we're giving away a Ray Ayanami in the shower figure on Patreon, patreon.com slash Aaron Spencer podcast. If you donate $1, you can, you're automatically entered into a chance to win this Japanese import Ray Ayanami shower figure. She's wearing a bathing suit. It's fine. It's not a <laughs> naked one. So although DJ Date Masamune, shout out, she does a panel on 18 plus figures at most of the conventions that she does. So Look her up, DJ Date Masamune. Date Masamune. She has a whole spiel on 18 plus figures, so that's great. But yes, we're giving out a Ray Ayanami figure, so check that out. Please subscribe like to our YouTube channel. You can just search Aaron Spencer Podcast and it will come up right away. Thank you all for joining us, ESP006. Again, no outro music today, but so we're just going to end it awkwardly. 006. Bye. Out. Thank you, my lovely unicorns. Mwah. <laughs>